You cutting? You've yeah, you've changed. You have blonde hair now, and yes. you've got just a, a real irascible nature about you. Once again, yes, I have decided <laughs> to make a big change to my life. Yeah, yeah. Every every couple of months, you really do. First, it was that like juice purge thing, and then and then it was Soylent. Yeah, which is like really tomato tomato. Well, if you ask our me. Lord and Master Soylent has convinced me. Mm-hmm. To dye my hair blonde and grow out my facial hair. Yes, yes, grow it out quite a bit. Get you, some glasses. You've changed your fashion a bit. You're wearing a fun striped shirt. Thanks. And, and some shorts. Thanks. Yep. Waldo is my fashion icon. <laughs> oh, where is he? You're not Liam. I'm, uh, uh, who, who are you? Uh, no, I'm Eric McAdams. Yeah. You're another Eric major McAdams. cast co-founder. Yeah, Liam's feeling a bit under the weather. And so Eric I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Finished the job. Ate his bones and took his place. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, and that's why you're so tall. There can only be one podcast host. Ex- Uh-oh. Well, I feel worried about how this episode's going to end. Oh, the major cast network is going to go down in infamy. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first inter, the first intra network slaying. Yeah. There's, there's got to be some like Law and Order SVU where the like the murder mystery is that well clearly this guy killed him over jealousy about the podcast network that they co-founded together. Oh yeah, yeah. Zach Braff was a suspect. Oh man, Zach. Braff. If that's that should be a murder mystery that fucking sitcom. Is I know. Doing. Oh my mom, bless her soul, sent me a text the other day that was like. That Scrubs guy's got a new show about being a podcaster. <laughs> This is uh, everything you like in pop culture, Tom. I, I really, I, oh, I really wish that he wouldn't. <laughs> you're Eric. You're in town. Yeah. Liam's feeling very ill, and you were going to be on this episode anyways. Yeah, it was. And this was originally planned to be a uh, three-person episode where I was just going to be a guest. Uh, so that would be why this episode is probably going to be kind of short because both of our stories were meant for a three-person episode. Well, that's fine. This will just be a fun little snack for the listener base. <laughs> I'm. This is Media Majors. Yes. A storytelling podcast about major media. Mm-hmm. My name is Thomas Lockney, and I like to tell stories from the culture of video games and the internet. My name is Eric McAdams, and normally when I come on this show, I talk about sports... But since I have killed and eaten Liam, mm, nummy, nummy. I have found myself, <laughs> found myself with an uncontrollable urge to talk about movies and TV. Oh, God, you're like a were movie. Yeah. <laughs> Every full moon I turn into a movie. Every full moon you turn into a podcaster just, and you, you know, talk about movies. You know, we just hope that it's like, you know... Fun movies and not bad ones. Anyways, you're going first this week. I am going first this week, and we're going to talk about film. Ooh. We're not talking about TV, Tom. The silver screen. We're talking about cinema. (laughs) 1929. (laughs) Yeah, what happened in 1929? Paris. In Paris. Ooh. Luis Buñuel and Salvador Dali are hard at work on their very first film. The idea for the movie occurred to the two men while they were each trying to break into the artistic high society of Paris. 
Buñuel was working as an assistant to Jean, to Jean Epstein, who was a French director. Dali, meanwhile, experimented with different art styles and essentially, like, networked with avant-garde artists yeah. in Paris. Well, he's so good at networking because he's got the biggest fucking mustache anyone's ever had. The longest and the thinnest. Yeah, so if you walk up to somebody, immediately they're on edge because they're just looking at that, that thing, feeling nervous that it's gonna fall down. <laughs> What happens when it droops, they oh, wonder. Oh, Christ. God, could you imagine Salvador Dali getting out of the shower? I kind of like the idea of, like, he's, when he's happy, it's, like, perky. But when he gets <laughs> yeah, sad, when he's like, sad. droops, like, yeah. aw. Like, the ears of an animal in an animated movie. <laughs> the two guys were very different. Buñuel dressed normally. Dali was already known as a dandy with eccentric takes on fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dali had a very difficult relationship with his father. At one point, he, uh, he, because they were both, you know, avant-garde and weirdos, one of the things he would do is he would add fun little captions to his works. And at one time, he put a caption on one of his paintings that said, Sometimes I like to spit on my mother's portrait for fun. <laughs> when he did that, when he did that, his, his father wrote to him and publicly demanded that he take it back. Oh, did he take it back? I don't think so. Oh, I wouldn't either. I didn't follow up. Though. Listen, if he you're gonna have. if you're gonna put something like that on one of your fucking paintings, it's got to be something that you're prepared to live with for the rest of your life. Dali, he really just wanted to make like a big splash. He wanted to be known. He wanted people to watch him. He wanted people to see him in Paris. He wanted to, you know, penetrate high society. I see. Uh, Buñuel, meanwhile, was. Uh, seemed more normal when you talked to him. Comparatively. He was a big fan of arguing and shouting at people. Some people described him as verbally abusive. Um, there's a story from him where he was at a he was at a party and he got so into it debating or shouting at uh, shouting about art with another guy I think uh, Quintilla Luis Quintilla was the guy that the hostess ran to the piano and started loudly playing Bach to drown them out. That, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, man, what a, what a classic high society power move. Yeah. I have nothing at my disposal but a piano and these <laughs> ten fingers. <laughs> like, you have to get out of the social situation. Yeah. All you are given is a piano. And I imagine... Welcome to Chopped. And I imagine because she was the hostess that she could not, like, go to, go to a man and be like, Shut the fuck up. Hey, Louise, hey, Louise. chill the fuck out for a second? Calm down. The two met to eat at a restaurant one day. They were already friends at this point. They told each other about the dreams they had had the night before. This was a big thing. They were both into surrealism. Surrealism yeah. is real big on dreams. I, that is, by the way, guaranteed the most boring conversation that's ever happened. Well, give me, give me a second on that. So surrealism is based in dreams a lot of the time because a lot of surrealists wanted to depict the unconscious human nature as it like automatically manifested they want to unlock the deepest parts of the mind essentially mm -hmm. so that it, the past morality or ideologies so they, they just wanted to depict the unconscious coming forth in art uh buñuel had dreamed of a cloud slicing the moon in half like a la like a razor slicing through an eyeball yucka do his own words Dali, meanwhile, had dreamt of a hand crawling with ants. Oh, man, Dali loved ants. He did. Once they told each other that, Buñuel was like, well, we've got to make a movie about this. <laughs> See, listen, you said one sentence to me that wasn't interesting, and then I did the same. <laughs> 
we've got a movie here. We've got a picture. You know what we're going to do? We're going to have a hand covered with ants in our movie. Yeah, and you know what I bet is going to happen also? Somebody's going to slice open an eyeball with a razor. That might have happened. Yes, that might be what we're building towards. I'm shocked. Dali came up with most of the film's visual ideas, and he shares a co-writing credit with Buñuel for that. Buñuel was the director, because he was the one with film experience. They incorporated both surrealist and Freudian ideas. Freud had already inspired a lot of surrealism anyway. Mm -hmm. They wanted the film to essentially be a manifesto drawn from their own psychologies, and that didn't just mean their dreams, it also kind of meant their social lives. Hmm. Because... Apparently, they meant the film to be an insult to a lot of the high society of Paris. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, which is a really smart choice if you're trying to break into that scene. Yeah, they were tr- they 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 did not like the state of avant-garde artists art artistry in Paris at the time. They regarded it as a lot of it as they regarded a lot of it as pseudo intellectual. Is what they is what they called it. I I too like to burn down bridges from their entrance. Yeah, I like to burn down bridges when they're ahead of me. Yeah, behind me. I like to throw my Molotov cocktail. Yeah, because neither of them had really been able to break into their industry. Can't imagine why. And so I feel like this might have been that coming out because they like were going like we're hey, frustrated. Actually, fuck these guys. Yeah, and to be fair, to be fair, fuck those guys. It's that standard like young man trying to break into a thing and it actually feels they are wrong not it, me that it didn't just was not just handed to them on a silver platter exactly they're they're insolent they want to they want to make a splash and they're if they have to do it by insulting everybody god damn it they'll do it so and because it's acting out their dreams it was also an expression of contempt for these for even specific parisian artists and oh spanish my. artists yeah there are apparently a lot of different references to specific writers and artists to insult them. So this is like a diss track. Yeah, uh, Federico Garcia Lorca was one of them. A bunch of writers that we you know don't know because they weren't that important were apparently referenced. There was one that was uh, uh, like a, he wrote a children's book and they hated it, so they they insulted him in it. Man, what what the fuck? Yeah. Fucking, what leave other artists alone let them make art and make your own art and you can all just love each other and be supportive it's so much better (laughs) no fuck that the only artists they wanted to impress were the surrealists by andre breton the frenchman who wrote the surrealist manifesto um so while they were making it they cut they got some glances you know some looks some side eye yeah yeah uh mostly because of the deliberately unsettling visuals remember that this is 1929 Mm-hmm. Not exactly the high point of like SFX disturbing images or disturbing images. Yeah, that's also yeah true. in film. Dali wrote in a memoir about his request to the uh, the props guy that for the for the film the property master, uh, which the request involved a grand piano, a severed hand, a cow's head, a way to attach sea urchins under a nude model's arms. Four dead donkeys and three nests of ants. That is awful. Also, uh, sea urchins, glue. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just glue. Figured it out, Tom. There you go. Hey, listen, why am I not Why am I not in, in the business? I, you know what I should do? I should make a movie about how all the people who make movies suck, actually. Oh, yeah, that'll, that'll go over real well. That'll teach them. Yeah. The film was financed from money that Buñuel borrowed from his mother. 
Uh, All right. But they still ran out of money despite this, and he ended up having to edit it by hand in his kitchen without any machines to help him. So I'm going to guess that the quality of this film is like not super high, even for the standards of the time? Well, remember that, because we're going to watch it. Cool. We're going to watch this film. In June of 1929, on Chien Andalou, apologies for French pronunciation, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> Uh, they, they're gonna say it, the movie's gonna open and it's gonna be a man and he's gonna look directly at the camera and he's gonna go like and you are going to look like a fool in front of the eyes of our audience and god Eric McAdams well it's a silent movie so <laughs> oh well oh well okay well I guess then I, I'm the fool I'm boo boo the fool <laughs> was, gonna, was gonna mention that but thanks for the segue uh, they, the, the premiere for Enchant Andalou happens in 1929 in a packed screening with both, with, with, with Parisian aristocrats there, like real moneyed people. Surrealists were there. Popular artists like Pablo Picasso was there. And Prince. <laughs> he was still going by Prince at that time. That wasn't formally known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Prince was definitely there. But Pablo <laughs> Picasso was definitely yeah, actually that's, that's there. Yeah, that's very cool, actually. And that's interesting because Dali uh, experimented with cubism for a while and basically gave up. What did, yeah, I'm very curious. Do you know what Pablo thought of the film? Don't tell me now, but just tell me if you know. Uh, not really, not specifically. Okay. The filmmakers were so worried uh, about the reception of the film, like how, because they, they had like real people like in the in audience. The, yeah, like, yeah. People that say maybe referenced in the film for instance <laughs> uh they were worried that a riot was gonna break out because it would be so different and so subversive amazing do you want to go watch it yeah let's go watch it all right let's do that back in history class did you ever take a step back from that textbook you were reading and just think to yourself man these people are very dumb hi my name is eric mcadams and i have a podcast for you it's called Big Time Whoopsies, and every other Wednesday on the Major Cast Network, I tell a guest, and you the listener, a story from history involving massive incompetence. Big Time Whoopsies. People are dumb, and history can prove it. So we have watched Unshan on the Lou. We have. What do we think, Tom? I mean, okay, I, I should say. I don't have any knowledge of that scene or that period of like art, cinema, history, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I probably don't understand a lot of the more specific references it made. Oh, yeah, no, no one does. But like, that was a 20 minute insult and it was the most like f flat insult i've ever seen in my life i don't think it's fair to characterize it as flat. Like, you think about the other movies that are getting made in the 20s? I know, I like, know. Like, even the up until, like, the 70s other movies that came out. Like, think about it. Like, I can think of other uh, more groundbreaking movies that were made in the 70s and 80s. I said up to this. Like, think okay. of, like, but this is, like, the 20s. Like, film was invented this way. Like, it wasn't... This, we're only a few years out from people seeing a train on film and worried that it was going to come through the screen and kill them. That's true. I'm more holistically interested in it, though. Like, I, I, like I know that it's, like, important and cool or whatever that he mm -hmm. put a dead donkey, a close-up of a dead donkey on the screen or whatever and I cut open an eye. I don't know if I'm going far as cool. It's just important to recognize that it was, like, yeah. shocking. Yeah, like but I also, was... I also just was like, yeah, like, some old artists made this and art's better now, you know? <laughs> 
Sure, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not that all old art is bad, but I thought that I'm, that also was I don't I don't think it's fair to say like, well, art is better now. <laughs> like, <laughs> fair. As you know, all art has progressed in this in the last eighty years. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I just like kind of question the motivations, especially since like oh yeah no the that's... longest sequence there was about a woman being sexually assaulted which yes. i didn't care for so how do you think the audience that i told you about reacted to i imagined that they had even stronger opinions than i did bunuel and dali were both disappointed by the film's reception because it was positive oh man okay well you know what i i'm glad that they didn't get to enjoy their cake the fashionable and the artsy people at the premiere both loved it. They thought it was incredible, this did, new avant-garde work. Did they know that it was about them and did they not care? Um, there were some who were insulted. Uh, Federico Garcia Lorca thought that, you know, he was the dog, that kind of thing. Okay. There was, there was a lot of that kind of stuff. But, like, for the most part, people were like, that was shocking, that was incredible that was something so completely... bold it was yeah daring. exactly they thought it they thought it was bold and strange and unhinged and they thought it was great because they liked avant-garde stuff i should say maybe a better uh more clear uh statement of my position on that film is not that art is better now but that we've got more art so we can like better discern what like is and isn't actually daring mm -hmm. you know so the film includes a sequence, I feel like we should make this clear, the film begins on a sequence where if you don't know what happens behind the scenes in film, it looks like a young woman has her eye cut Slow in half open, with a yeah. razor. That is then followed up by other stuff that would have been shocking, like focusing on a woman's genitals, on her armpit hair. Uh, there was a part with a severed hand with ants crawling out from inside of it. There was a part where he was dragging two grand pianos. With dead donkeys in With the... a dead donkey in each one, and their <laughs> eyes were gouged out. Yeah. That was pretty fun. Dali said he created that by gouging the eyes out personally, uh, and then pouring glue over it to make it look like it was, you know, decaying more. Mm, that's very yucky. Mm-hmm. That's Salvador Dali, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a shocking thing, but they loved it because they liked avant-garde stuff. Bunuel would say, what can I do about the people who adore all that is new even when it goes against their deepest convictions or about the insincere corrupt press and the inane herd that saw beauty or poetry in something which was basically no more than a desperate impassioned call for murder? That's so weird. To That's how he described his own film. Man, then why'd you even make... Why make art if you don't enjoy it, you Honestly, know? Bunuel's feelings about this film are really hard to like put because because to he's be trying sure to be of? the punk who is always going yeah, against the grain. He was, he was a chameleon kind of his whole career. He would go on to direct dozens of films. Like mm -hmm. he's one of he's considered one of the great surrealist filmmakers, um, and he would do it in different genres. And it was always he was always happy sub subverting things. That was always what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But when he would talk back about this. Like there were some like it's generally established that yeah it was an insult to the to the people in the community that yeah. scene. It was it was meant to be the, that was like what the symbols meant that was what it was always meant to be. He would later go on, go on to say that there was no symbolism in the film at all except for what you could derive from psychoanalysis because it was meant to be automatic. Like it was meant to be desires 
erupting forth from the characters. That's why, Mm -hmm. you know, ants coming out from under the skin, having to pull the weight along to go for what you're lusting for, that kind of stuff. It's about the, the basic desires that you suppress. Okay. Is what it's going for. They'd wanted to f- the film to create a stir. Well, Dali really wanted the film to create a stir. He he was disappointed at first, but he would also say, like, I have plunged a knife into the heart of the of Paris, that kind of thing. Yeah, Because yeah, he yeah. was a dramatic very bitch. Very self, <laughs> self-centered, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was meant to insult and assault its audience, but they loved how bold it was. Um, part of why it was so influential was because it used pretty conventional editing styles. Bunuel knew how to edit a movie, mm-hmm. and other avant-garde stuff really was looser in its structure. But this felt like you were watching a normal silent film, except for then it would take a turn and leave you somewhere strange. Yeah, it's got like quote-unquote weird shit in it. Yeah, it was. It didn't look at first like, to be like terribly heightened or stylized. Bunuel and Dali would obviously go on to become hugely successful artists, and that actually started with them making a sequel. Oh, really? Oh, man. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, it was originally going to be called something that made it clear that it was a sequel because it was commissioned by Parisian aristocrats. They should have... They should have loved the first one so much. They should have gone with the uh, the Mist style of sequel naming, mm-hmm. where the second game is called Riven colon the sequel to mist nice. just so everybody knew it was it was eventually titled uh l'age d'or the age of gold um it was it was uh eventually banned in paris oh my for that what one. reason this one was an hour long oh good god okay yeah 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 <laughs> uh surrealists also loved it a lot of surrealists thought it was like the perfect film for them large door uh and it was actually this film that ended up having a riot <laughs> oh really because right-wing activists came in and like threw stink bombs in. oh oh stink bombs man yeah Buñuel isn't a particularly reliable source on any of this, and he was, and he's been labeled by a lot of people as kind of an opportunist. Like he was an anarchist, but he didn't like anarchists. He was he liked you know Stalinism, which is what people referred to, except yeah. when he was affected by it. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, so he was he was uh, specifically trying to make he art was, to to climb in yeah, popularity and, he was, he and influence. Just, no, I wouldn't say that. He was just contradictory, like as a person, fundamentally. Hmm. Okay, so like he was like the least fun person in the world. Yeah, I don't know, man. And he would go on to to direct dozens of films. Uh, if you. Want something maybe a little more interesting, go for Los Olvidados, The Forgotten Ones. It's a Spanish-language one, and people talk in it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's Unchain on the Lou. And a couple, I've got a couple more interesting facts about it. Both of the lead actors from the movie, Pierre Bacheff and Simone Maruel, pronunciation, sorry, uh, both of them committed suicide oh, later. that's very sad. Yeah, he, uh, the lead actor, committed suicide by overdosing just a few years later. And the lead actress apparently committed suicide by self-immolation. Oh my god. Yeah, in the 50s, and I'm not sure why. That's... Couldn't find details That's very upsetting. Yeah. Ugh. Also, David Bowie, instead of getting an opening act for his 1976 tour, showed the film in its entirety for his audiences. Okay. I bet bet a lot of people were like, just just come out. Yeah. It's okay. Also, also, film historians tend to feel tend to be like, well, it's obviously one of the most influential things ever and it inspired like I've I've heard about people saying it inspired music videos later on. Like that's the imagery that inspired music videos. 
or that it inspired all independent films that, ever. That is stupid. Roger That's Ebert stupid. said it. That's stupid. Like, it inspired, like, every independent film. That's know? not how culture works. Mm-hmm. My, my story this week is called Woody's Roundup in 1995. Toy Story came out. <laughs> it's an animated film. And guess what? All animated films are from Toy Story. Fuck it. We can say whatever the fuck we want to, apparently. There were animated films before Toy Story. No, wrong. Toy Story (laughs) is the only reason that animated films exist today, Eric. You can say computer animated. That would actually be pretty accurate. No, I refuse. That would actually, like, there's a legitimate argument for that one. I know. I'm uh, from the IMDb. Quote. (laughs) From the IMDb. (laughs) Quote. A cowboy doll is profoundly threatened and jealous <laughs> when a new spaceman figure supplants him as top toy in a boy's room. I love finding synopses for movies where the person writing it clearly did not know what was going on. Profoundly threatened and jealous. Yeah. This cowboy doll is named Woody. He is voiced by Tom Hanks, and he has many classic catchphrases. Ooh, Eric, can you give me a few? There is a snake in my boot. Someone's poisoned the water hole. (laughs) And is there any others? I don't know, those are the ones where you'd like pull the string in the toilet yeah! and say that. <laughs> you want to give me a good yeehaw, Eric? No, Just I'm okay. I think you gave a pretty good one, actually. Thank you. We're going to rest on our laurels there. It is a cultural icon, and it is incredibly important to film. Yes. It's the only reason that computer animated films exist today. You know who helped write it? Uh, Joss Whedon. Joss yeah, Whedon I saw that, and I was like, it. hold the fuck up. Yeah, Excuse dude. me? Yeah, dude. Yikes. Just a reminder, he's made some good stuff. Even though, even though he's know. he's scum, uh, it has spawned a short as well as two sequels. The last of which was released in 2010. A fourth Toy Story is planned for 2019 because, and like, why? Because we can't just let things end. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and you know what? Too, it's just in time for Tim Allen who ruined his image by being a terrible person. Yeah, that's right. They're giving another job to Tim Allen in April of 2017 on Tumblr. User, <laughs> fuck a segue. User Kagranax. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but that's how I'm gonna say it. All right. Was having an argument with the far right blog Neon Jude on Tumblr. Like you do. Kagranax had posted about. Kagranax. <laughs> had posted about Kagranax. Some of their Elder Scrolls headcanons, to which Neon Jude replied. What? Don't Tumblrize Elder Scrolls with your bullshit. Whatever. Kagranax noticed that sometime after this con- conversation, Neon Jude's uh, account was deactivated or banned. It's not totally known. And seemingly that was that. But then Kagranax began to receive notifications. Neon Jude was back, but something was different. The header image had been changed to Woody, but not the Woody that we all what? know and love. <laughs> <laughs> it was a screen cap from an early test animation. That's very scary. Woody's very mean and sinister in it. Yeah, well, I mean, he is kind of... He's not like the calm, you know, assured leader that I think they started portraying him as in Toy Story 2. He tries to kill Buzz. Yeah, in the first one, he's like unhinged and really jealous and not happy. Um, Yeah, it's a, it's a screen cap from an early test animation. Hey, Eric... Let's watch it. Look at it. 
Look at it. I mean, that's not nice. It's a very scary Woody face. He's I don't a, like his. I don't like his lips. He's got a big old Joker grin. Yeah. And there's one other change to the blog. Splash text reading, howdy partner. Yes. Partner with a D. Howdy partner. Howdy partner. Someone's poisoned the water hole. Oh Christ. With a little sleuthing, Kagranex noticed that there were several blogs, in fact, dozens even, that all followed the same format. They would often reply to each other. What? Or reply multiple times on the same post, usually only saying things like, howdy, or... Partner. Or... Someone's poisoned the water hole. Or... No, not There's that. There's a snake in my boot? No. You're a sad, strange little man. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a yeehaw! Oh, I didn't know what you were going for. I was trying to trick you into saying yeehaw and you wouldn't give it up. I won't do it. That's how the bad guy gets my bones. That's the curse I made. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> with the podcast <laughs> if, I ever say, if I ever say the magic words, he gets my bones. Ooh. Um, soon, more and more blogs started to join the fold. Most of these blogs, by the way, uh, were formerly pro prominent blogs that propagated Nazi, uh, pedophile, and turf content. Well, yeah. Uh, for example, some of the blogs, Logic Not Social Justice, or South Park Dudes with Z. <laughs> soon, this became referred to as the Woody Collective. I'm not even like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was so fucking weird to see happen because, because each and every day, it seemed more and more of these, uh, Were you blogs. on Tumblr for this? Yeah, I was. This happened in 2017. I, are you still on Tumblr? I, I lurk. Okay. Um, I've never been on Tumblr. I, I don't know. Tumblr's a website. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like I'm not super active on Tumblr. I basically mm. only lurk one blog that I find Great. funny uh, every couple of days. But even I saw these posts. Folks, they were right fucking in and everywhere. Guess what the one blog that Tom lurks on is. Oh, you'll never find out. <laughs> I've hidden it's all my secrets. Some of these blogs uh, were likely copycats, but you could tell that most belonged to the same very driven individual. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really fucking weird. Cause yeah, cause you keep, cause they would keep getting new blogs. It just kept happening, hmm. and every day you'd be like, I want to say, how many did it like peak at? Mm, I believe uh, I don't know the exact number, but the the a number I saw quoted in like a uh, like unofficial study or hmm. of it, whatever on Tumblr was forty, which is not an insignificant uh, yeah, that's size. A, that's a bunch. Yeah, um, I want to say I want to say you know neon Jude. I want to say prominent alt-writer, uh, conservative figure, internet figure, Communism Kills was one of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. Fun fact, I'm going to cut this out of the episode. Her ex-boyfriend is Matthew Heimbach, who was that white uh, nationalist guy who got into a fight for having an affair with his stepmother. Right, yeah, 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 or his mother-in-law. Late stage Woody Collective saw several accounts change their pictures to SpongeBob for reasons that have never been elaborated on. And then on June 30th, 2017, the mystery came to a close from user snooping as usual, I see. Quote, about a year ago, I started taking a bunch of URLs from bad people on famous posts and I changed their icon to Woody in the blog's title to Howdy Partner. Now it's become <laughs> 
<laughs> now it's become real big to the point where I can't browse this site without hearing about it once, and now people are just taking any URL they can find, whether it be a bad person or not, and I lost a whole bunch of mutuals over this shit. End post. Bit of a downer ending, but we did yeah. find the truth of the Woody Collective. What a weird thing. Yeah, that's like... The fact that, like, he was going, like, oh, I'm going to take their blogs and turn it into something weird made it pretty threatening, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know the, uh, if it was a man or whoever. Okay. Um, Snooping as usual, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... Like, it just made it kind of weird and threatening. I guess, yeah. It, I mean, yeah, but also, like, they were doing it to, like... To fuck with, you know, bad To people. fuck and with, like, that. people on, on Tumblr who, who are like, I'm a minor attracted person and mm -hmm. are just a pedophile. Yeah, right. Um, it was really bizarre. I think it still goes on, but it's not, like, as huge as it was. But for months, ever, nobody had any fucking idea what was happening. Everybody would, he would just log on a Tumblr and there would be Woody and he'd be grinning at you manically and saying things Wait, like howdy partner why would it be on your feet like I don't know how Tumblr works like would people have to like reblog yeah 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 because a lot of people were like this is so weird oh, and they gosh. would reblog it yeah 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 and that's why it spun out of control and that's yeah, why you know because people started reblogging this weird shit yeah exactly but that's just a weird specific thing that happened on Tumblr in 2017 and I thought it would be fun for this podcast well it was pretty Surreal. I guess you could say that. And like all surreal art, I guess it just came back to bite the creator in the <laughs> ass at the end. No, that's kind of, that was the point of my story is that it didn't. It just helped their careers. That's a, you know what? That's a good point. I've been proven wrong within seconds of making I a just, hot take. No, because that's what's crazy about it. They meant it to be like this like act of defiance or something. And it just worked out great. Like You know why they call it a take? Because you wish you could take it back. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Can we focus on, like, what I'm saying and not, like, your personal status vis-a-vis -vis whether what you said was right or not? No, no, no. I just wanted to make that pun. Okay, all right. No, you were correct. You were I correct. Just... It did. It did. It blew up in their face, but in a very good way. Exactly. Like, they, it's this... I don't know. I have a soft spot for these, like, avant-garde weirdos from this time period, but it's just so weird to me that, like, they saw this career advancement for something that was basically them flipping the middle finger to everybody. Yeah, I... Listen, I don't know. Artists are weird it's people. Weird, man. Self-care corner. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a segue. Hey. At the end of every episode, we usually we do a self-care corner because sometimes we talk about uh, bummer stuff on the show. Which not really this time. Not I guess so that, much. I guess that person did lose a bunch of mutuals, which is kind of sad. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not my Tumblr mutuals. Um, <laughs> hey, that's pretty big for some people. Um, sure. It's, no, 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 it is. It is. I'm not on Tumblr, Tom. It's, a, it's the internet. Okay. You make friends on the internet sometimes. I sure. It's, sometimes it's important and sometimes... You know, you lose you. friends sometimes, too, right? I know. Like that it's... is true. Objectively, that does happen. Yeah. Anyways. So we balance it out. The devastation. The pure fucking shock and awe of your mutuals <laughs> unfollowing you. Can we recover? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> With a, a little segment we like to call the self-care corner when we talk about a fun thing. Do you want to go first? That happened to us? Because yeah. you seem like you got a fun energy going right now. <laughs> well, my self-care corner is just a nice one. My good friend, my good friend Eric is in town. Hello. We're having a real fun time. <laughs> very nice. That's uh, also mine. I'm in California. Oh, damn. Yeah. We just read each other's minds. <laughs> 
This is why we're such good friends. Cause, yeah. Because of that telepathic bond that we have. Because we always finish finish each other's fish. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Pro- I, honestly, if we got fish, I probably would finish it for Tom. He doesn't eat as much as I do. Give me some of that tilapia. <laughs> Give me some haddock. Mmm. And a nice bit of salmon. <laughs> Tuna steaks. If you like, if you like this podcast, <laughs> yeah, you like Eric's performance on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you can tune into the other shows on the network. Uh, Eric does one called Big Time Whoopsies. It's a very fun podcast about historical incompetence. It's it really is. good. Last episode was a blast. It was yeah, and it also had some gross parts, much like this one. Yes. Um. You can oh you can't follow the network on Facebook anymore because uh, I deleted my Facebook and so did Liam. And you deleted the network's one too. I I think it was tied to my account. Oh no. Well you can you can find out. I cannot. Mm. Um. But you can follow stuff on Twitter. You can follow stuff on Twitter. You can follow me at Thomas Lockney. You can follow me at Audaciously Yours. Uh. You can follow Media Majors at Media Majors Cast. I and don't I don't update big time whoopsies. <laughs> And you can on the Twitter thing. I've noticed. I just I just say it from my account because you know. Uh, and you can also email uh, mediamagerspodcast at gmail If you got anything to say to us, hey, say something. Yeah, Hi. subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, leave, subscribe leave on iTunes. Leave a rating and review. Yeah, that's always helpful. It's very important for podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Absolutely. Tell your friends that they have a podcast app on their phone because there's an alarming amount of young people I know who do not know that. Yeah. Tell your parents about us. Uh, Tom wants to meet your dad. I want to meet and fuck <laughs> your dad. I didn't leave that in. I didn't leave that in. Uh, and as always, we'll be there for you <laughs> and your dad. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.